Hello. And welcome to Pop Tarts. Bam, 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 yeah. I'm Emily Rems. And I'm Callie Watts. We are both editors at Bust Magazine in New York City. We love talking to each other about pop culture, and we love talking to you about pop culture. And today we are talking about the obsession that is sweeping the nation, (laughs) Russian Doll. When the Netflix series Russian Doll came out at the beginning of February, every single person I knew was binging it and debating about it, and I had to rush and devour every single episode before people could spoil it for me. It's kind of a Groundhog's Day style time loop dramedy. And it was created by Leslie Headland and Natasha Lyonne and Amy Poehler. It stars Natasha Lyonne and Charlie Bennett. And it also has a dynamite supporting cast, including today's guest, Rebecca Henderson. Yay. If you've seen the show, (laughs) Rebecca plays Lizzie. What was wrong with the stairs? It's a long story involving multiple deaths. Yeah, this is much safer. That's the main character's artsy friend with the cool glasses and the overalls and the short blonde hair and the penchant for much younger women. Yeah. <laughs> and if you haven't seen the show, pause this episode right now, quickly watch all eight incredible episodes, and then jump back in because we are going to be asking Rebecca all of our obsessive questions and... As a special added bonus, joining us on the microphones this evening is our boss lady, <laughs> editor-in-chief of Bust Magazine, <laughs> Debbie Stoller, and Russian Doll superfan. <laughs> Welcome, Debbie Stoller. Gotta get up, gotta get down. <laughs> 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 sort of sounded like a, a Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's Dish. like... Sorry, <laughs> that wasn't... Debbie Stoller. That wasn't the idea. Hello. Hello. So... Welcome, Debbie. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. (laughs) Zing, 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 zing. And I'm like, bye. I'm going to go. Do you guys want some chicken? So hot. But now I'm thinking I'm a bad feminist cat mom. But I would just call it peace. Also, women are the best. In a nutshell. Russian Doll is about a woman named Nadia, played by Natasha Lyonne, who keeps dying and then coming back to life again on the night of her 36th birthday. I'm having a very hard, never-ending night. But for those of us fixated on the show, it's about a lot more than that. You, Rebecca, happen to be married to the show's co-creator, co-writer, co-director, Leslie Headland. It's true. (laughs) Has she revealed to you the secret meaning behind why Nadia is living this one day over and over again? Tell us everything that you know. She hasn't. (laughs) (laughs) She has not revealed... I mean, I know as much as you know. Whatever you see, I also saw and know. Do Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I do. (laughs) Yeah. But that being the case, we also have been reading so much into it. Yeah. Have you as well? Gosh, how do I answer this? <laughs> I mean, Natasha and Leslie talked for a really long time as they were developing the idea. So that happened in my house sometimes. So I definitely like came in and out and heard different things. And then when I was cast in it, I was you know, sort of around them while they were in the writer's room and then they were shooting. This is really hard to answer because everybody sort of takes away what they take away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, when I saw the first cuts of it in July after we finished shooting... I was incredibly moved by Natasha's performance and by the story and how it spoke the most to me was um, basically 
<laughs> so personal, but the work that I've been doing in therapy to get over my own childhood trauma, just we're going to go mm-hmm. there right away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Throw it down. That's, that's, that's what affected me the most. Mm-hmm. The stuff with the mother and the mental illness, and um, there's a lot of addiction in my family. Those themes spoke to me the most. And Nadia's journey, which is also in some ways Natasha's journey, and Natasha is a friend of mine, um, it's a, to me it's about um, getting out of that childhood trauma loop and knowing, basically making peace with yourself and who you are and uh, being able to go forward with your life. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I agree. Was, Is, was there anything when it was being formed, you said like the, those early conversations were happening in your home. Like mm-hmm. were there big Did you listen in? Yeah, did you listen in? <laughs> no, like, no. well, they were but, circling the drain of the idea. I mean, Leslie and Natasha yeah. are like, super brilliant super nerds so mm-hmm. they would be like you know Fellini I mean they were saying right, words yeah. like, I, I know what Fellini is, who Fellini is but like they would were saying things that I often couldn't follow um, they went to you know places that I I really didn't understand and I was like those two nerds in the other room how cute <laughs> but you know Leslie I think in some of her interviews has described it as um, a ghost story um, or a mystery box mm-hmm. story um, so that's some of the places that she touches when she's interviewed about it. Mm-hmm. I know and that, Natasha says everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I saw that Natasha said that it was about, you know, a lot about addiction, recovery, mm-hmm. and family. Fucking Christ, that's dark. Mm-hmm. It's not a secret that Natasha was uh, had a bad drug habit for quite a while that's and right. lost her career and then got clean and got yes. her career back. Yeah, so, so I love the sequence. Um, sort of like the montage sequence where she's like doing tons of drugs and smoking mm-hmm, and drinking mm-hmm. through the party and she's actually wearing a camera on her body. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was brilliant. And you sent me one of those memes today. I did. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a, I find that such a beautiful moment. It's, for me, it's like when this series really takes that turn into something very touching mm-hmm. um, and upsetting. Yeah, that yeah. was beautifully done. Um, these guys mm-hmm. haven't mentioned that it's Callie's birthday today, not her it 36th. It is my birthday. It's, it's her 37th birthday. Happy so birthday. Time Ooh. to get up. I've just been saying. I'm s- assuming that I will yes. wake up normally tomorrow. In my bathroom. <laughs> Gosh, I hope so. <laughs> I've just been saying sweet birthday baby to her all day. Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> posted it like five times on her Facebook page with different Russian doll memes. That's so funny. Greta Lee's birthday is coming up and I'm like, watch ah. out. You're going to get so <laughs> oh, many sweet yeah. birthday babies. Yeah. <laughs> What is in this? What was yeah. with the chicken? Why was she making a yeah, birthday? Yeah, the chicken. I have not <laughs> no been able idea. to make sense out of. I was like, I mean, because it's a nighttime. Yeah. I don't, I've never cooked a full chicken, but I feel like they take a long time. You know, today I was, I watched a small clip of Russian Doll for something, and it's Greta and I coming into the bodega, and she says, she says, oh, it's so weird. This is where I bought the chicken. And I'm like, ew. <laughs> this is That you would buy a raw chicken at a bodega. It's such a funny improvised line. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and I think. Well, you can't get everything at a bodega. Yeah, true. I've never seen a raw, a full raw chicken there, but maybe. No. I mean, I'm sure they They, they must be somewhere. Chicken, the chicken it's probably in somewhere. the deli case. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. I mean, I bought individual eggs, yeah. single slices of ham. I mean, I think my character and Greta's character, Maxine and Lizzie, are both based on, loosely based on friends, actually, in Natasha's life. So I think that there's probably something to do with Maxine, the real-life Maxine, who, when she throws a party, she's often cooking, and, like, that Uh, level of caretaking for her friends. Is that the one you thought was possibly... um, Chloe. Chloe. It's not. It's not. It's actually not. Well, Uh maybe it's a combination, but I don't don't think Uh it's based on Chloe. Okay, well... 
good to Wasn't know. Wasn't Chloe good so good know. at... I mean, it's good. Oh, yeah. These are spoiler so alerts a... for people who haven't seen it, but she's so good as the mother. It's heartbreaking. Her acting mm-hmm. all the way through it was so good. Yeah. It was really so brilliant. Such a brilliant way of telling the story, I thought. I'm so glad you guys, you guys liked did, it. You guys did such an amazing job. And Natasha just has a good, tough girl walk. Mm-hmm. Her walk she's a was dream. from the beginning. You're like, oh, she's this is going to be great. Yeah. Just and she makes smoking she look really cool. I'm not a smoker, but uh, the series made me want to smoke cigarettes and walk around. I live in the East Village, so that was like another super exciting thing. Like, that's that, and that's yes. that, and that's that. Yes. Every single second. It reminded me of why I live there. Yeah, I've been hearing from people. It's very, makes them, if my, my friends in LA who've been watching are like, oh my God, I miss New York. And uh, yeah, the Lower East Side's the best. Did you read that crazy Tompkins Square Park theory? I didn't, but I, I heard think about it's cuckoo bananas. Yeah. Well, that was also a theory that your husband had, right, Callie? <laughs> well, he didn't have it. He read the article about it. Oh, so let's, let's talk about the divergent theories. There, first, there's Debbie's <laughs> oh, no. theory, which she uh, just briefly touched upon, but maybe you'd like to go a little bit oh, more in depth. Oh, the one that depth. Anne wrote for us? Yes. Right. So we had a contributor named Anne O'Nemus mm-hmm. who um, contributed this theory that it's about getting sober and that um, it helps to understand a lot of what's going on with the 12 steps and what happens in sobriety to understand the story. Like, for instance, the saying that you always hear in AA and other places, too, I suppose, that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a, an addict... You keep thinking, you know, you're going to make this tiny little tweak to your life and maybe you're not going to end up totally drugged out by the end of the night or in some terrible situation, but it it doesn't work because you're basically still doing the same thing over and over again. Um, So that was the understanding of what all those deaths were about. And then also in in AA, she writes that the way that people actually get clean is by talking to another person who's dealing with the same issue, Mm -hmm. and that would be... uh, Alan, Alan, yeah. And that you really only really get sober when you finally accept some help from another person. So mm-hmm. not just sharing notes with someone who's going through the same thing, but letting them help you. Right. And that's basically that theory. I like the, yeah. the, the pickup that the guy, the homeless guy's name is Horse. Which oh, yeah. Is, Heroin. I didn't think Please. about that until I read the article. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I really don't know how much they were, you know, everything had been worked out. I think Natasha, I've heard her say that she's been sort of writing this story forever in her mind. Mm -hmm. She's been gathering these things forever. And she has, I think she does feel like she's died many times and gotten all these chances to live again. I read that Anne Onemus article before I saw Russian Doll. And so I saw the entire thing through that lens. And so then I was like, this is it. This is exactly what it is. But then... (laughs) I read the New York Times, Jason Zinneman had a a breakdown about how the whole thing was a metaphor for the gentrification of the East Village. Basically, there was the Tompkins Square riots were in 1988. 1988 was like this pivotal time in Natasha Leone's character's life when she went from living with her mom to living with the mom's friend. Mm -hmm. And that like, just like how the mom was very artistic and real but was also completely chaotic and out of control. Um, that's Those are way, ways that people would describe the East Village before the Tompkins Square riots, and everyone was living in there and doing drugs in there and just being all wild and unhinged, like so much so that the city tried to close down the park and kick everybody out, and then there were riots. Right. And then afterwards, there was they closed down the park for a while, and there was all this gentrification, and all the rents went up, and all the artists left, and right. now everyone's in Brooklyn. Natasha Leone's character had this tremendous guilt 
about leaving like the real gritty mom for like the more stable surrogate mom right. just because that was a a better more comfortable life but it wasn't as genuine or somehow uh primal to her so that was sort of the theory that was going on that it was this metaphor for the east village getting gutted of all of it and that her guilt was over like being part of this gentrification of Mm -hmm. the east village yeah yeah that was that was part of the theory but like i was in that riot i was like right on the front lines of that riot when it happened and i also lived like basically on the corner of saint mark's place and avenue a for 12 years uh you know in in the 90s Uh and like I feel very strongly that that's not what it's about. I understand that Tompkins Square plays a big part, is almost like a character, Mm -hmm. and especially for people who were heroin addicts, which Natasha has spoken publicly about was was her issue. Um, I'm sure that that park played a big role in that as a place to score, as a place to get high, that would come back and back around in your life. But... um, and the New York Times went with it. Yeah, well, I love but that. Not That's only so that, beautiful but... that somebody thought that and like <laughs> broke it all down like that. You know, like there's a moment in the in the series where the guy is playing the lotto and he picks. He's like 21, no, 22. And then somebody counted all her deaths, and there were 22 deaths. Ah. And that is not, that was not, as right. far as I know, not purposeful. Right. But they did work. They did work very hard. Like yeah. the, the show was incredibly detailed, and they had a master AD who like kept. I think the an entire wall of her apartment is covered in all oh. the different loops because they had to keep track of who was wearing what, where, who's standing where, oh, like where uh, everybody was. Right. And it's, I mean, she got very sick in the middle of shooting because I think she was just like, I, <laughs> I can't go on. Um, just for a couple of days she was out. But it was an insane amount to keep, to keep straight. I mean, then there's also the coding and how it's like a video game where you die yes. and then you come mm-hmm. back. Leslie plays a each. lot of video games. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, you come back at the beginning of each yes. level, like respawning yes. or whatever. But then there was also like people were going off on like video game, free will, like Matrix style. Like, is if there is a creator out there in the world operating all of us all the time as if we're in a video game. And we have no free will, but then what if there's a glitch and only the, com- the video game programmer can see above the game, can see the glitch and can fix the glitch oh, right, like she did right. in mm-hmm. her job meeting. People she had to go in right? and fix the glitch for the game to actually move forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's very Black Mirror too, that episode. Yes. USS Callister, mm-hmm. for sure. I have a question, which is um, obviously for the for your wife and for Natasha, it was a very complex story to map out. But as an actor, how much did you guys have to? How much did you, in particular, have to be clued into what the entire story was? It's a good question. I mean, we, I definitely had access to the script, so I I read the scripts. I knew what was going on. But I do think that you know my character and Maxine, we represent this world that doesn't know what's going on with her. So mm-hmm. there is. Uh, we were Greta Lee and I were constantly asking like how much do we know what's happening you know we were actually asking that in the moment of you know Natasha would enter and she'd be like you know making some crazy faces she'd just come out of the bathroom (laughs) again and we would just be I don't know kind of responding to that in the moment Mm -hmm. and she would um because Natasha knew exactly what was going on she would come in with different energy every time and Mm -hmm. we would go off of that but that is how you see how bizarre it is for her, like how in, how sad it is for her and how alone she is and also how hilarious it is because mm-hmm. we, we're just at the party. <laughs> yeah. I read that the article was, I think, in um, 
I may not have put it in my notes. Maybe it was in Variety or something that the guy that played Alan, mm-hmm. they taped three different endings. And he, this, I read it today. He still hasn't watched the ending and he doesn't know what ending they used. I just heard, I did another interview today and somebody told me that, but I didn't know. I mean, it kind of rings a bell, but I don't know what the other endings are. Yeah, I wish I could tell I, you. I want to know. I, I wonder answers. if they have them and if they could like put them out as a. People would die. They would. People would out. love that, right? <laughs> they I would die a million times. That fly was a paid actor. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Were any the... flies harmed in the making of it? <laughs> no. <laughs> are there other theories floating around that you've heard that we have not yet discussed in terms of the the deeper meanings of the the uh, reincarnated Natasha? I don't think so. I I mean the the thing that I heard very early on the first thing which is not really a, a theory like the ones that you're talking about was just that it was you know an, an analogy for therapy which is you know a lot of what the 12 step analogy is and so I haven't Leslie yeah. Leslie might know you get Leslie in here <laughs> she she goes on like reddit you know she goes yeah. into the deep nerddom of of theories it's her favorite thing to do <laughs> I'm going to shift gears for a moment and ask about okay. you. You are a queer woman who is playing a queer woman in this film. Yeah. I should say series. I think of it as a film because I... I do it in I, films too. <laughs> <laughs> and in films too because I, I binged it so I think of it as a super long movie. That's Yeah, that's how they describe it sometimes mm-hmm. as a long film. But uh, there are some actors in the queer community who feel that uh, because queer actors are so marginalized and are basically only allowed to play queer parts, mm. that straight actors should not be cast in queer parts. <laughs> Where do you stand on the issue of queer characters and who should and should not be cast in them? Well, I, that's a new thing that I've been trying on, that queer people should be playing the queer people until we are also allowed to play the straight people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's something that I've started to say out loud and think is very important and um, I really admire the shows and the films that take steps to to make that happen like I saw Angels in America this year I don't know if you guys saw it but mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield is playing the main character and he is um, as far as I know not queer and it, I, I don't even I don't want to say bad things about Andrew Garfield because he's an amazing actor but it, I did find I found it offensive I was like how can this be happening in this year there are so many brilliant out gay men um, brilliant stage actors and famous actors who could do this part and um yeah and how was it working with your wife like she it wasn't just that she was the director like she was the director producer co-writer co-creator she directed the first three episodes and episode seven yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm sure the nepotism was nice in terms of yes, like, that's how I got the, the part. Having, not having to audition must have been sweet as hell. But it once was. you were there, yes, like, had you worked together before? And how was it? We hadn't. It was our first time working together. Uh-huh. And it was awesome. I, I, I loved it. I want her to put me in everything. So I never have to audition again. <laughs> <laughs> but it really was. And I've, I've been saying this a lot, but it was very, it's very, you know, sexy and stimulating and wonderful to see your person at work being great at what they do. Yeah. And she's, she's awesome on set. She's like very energetic and very focused and brilliant. And there were moments where she was, when she wasn't directing, she'd be, you know, behind the cameras, like also working on a play and then checking in on the scene. And she's just, yeah, she's a, a vibrant mind. Um, so I loved working with her. And I did feel like every time she came around the corner, I would be like, oh, who's that? Oh, it's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> we were very snuggly on set. Yeah, it was, it was uh, nice and a relief. Yeah. 
because that could have been terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I could have definitely I guess you never know until you try. Yeah. And everyone obviously is freaking out about the show. Yeah. Did you know ahead of time that it would go off like a bomb? Did you know that everyone was going to be obsessed with it immediately? No. And how has it felt feeling so all of this attention all <laughs> yeah. um, Well, when I saw it, when they were editing it and color correcting and everything, I was like, I think this is really special. It definitely spoke to me. Every time I watched it, I would cry. Oh. And I was like always grabbing Natasha, being like, you're so amazing. Like, you're going to win all the awards. I really was affected by it. But I also was like, there's so much content. Things come and go. I have no idea. I think my friends might like it. But I really had no idea. And I don't think they did either. This has been beyond everyone's wildest dreams and I'm just so proud like this kind of show is I think well I know because I was there it was very hard to make um and I'm just so proud of Leslie and Natasha for for making it and I'm so excited that it's being received in such a wonderful way can I ask what what was so specifically hard when you say that, what are you referring to? I think the story. I think literally mm-hmm. developing the story. They didn't, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn. I don't know if this is actually true, but I don't think they knew exactly how it would play out. Mm-hmm. You know, it started with, uh, Natasha had a lot of ideas and she'd been developing with Amy Poehler for a mm-hmm. while. And then Leslie came on board and then they started to like, ha- you know, hash out the pilot. But um, yeah, I mean, it really sort of didn't come from nothing because it came from Natasha's life, but they really had to make all of those decisions. And there were... I know there were moments when we were shooting where people were like, what are, what are we doing? <laughs> and they were just like, let's just keep, keep doing it. And then really, um, I know from Leslie, when she saw it in the edit, she was like, oh, it's coming together. Like, it's really, those first three episodes really set down the tone for the show. They lay it all out. And then, I don't know, it goes from there. And how did Leslie get involved? I don't, I don't know if you touched on it at the beginning. Did she and mm. Natasha know each other? Because yes. it's a, a beautiful partnership yes she and Natasha are good friends they met years ago uh just I think at a meeting like Mm -hmm. a creative meeting and they became good friends and um yeah I think Natasha and Amy had this had this idea they'd had another pilot that didn't work out and then they had this idea sort of kicking around and um Natasha asked Leslie to come on board and that's when it really I think she said in some interviews that that's when it really crystallized Mm -hmm. yeah their minds are just like zing 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 and I'm like bye I'm gonna go do you guys want some chicken like (laughs) (laughs) what was the deal with the chicken they're always referencing things that I just am like (laughs) <laughs> it's so embarrassing with it's just like whoosh 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 past my head is it like the chicken of human kindness or something <laughs> I'm always like it's out. because I'm Canadian I don't know things uh-huh. I can't use that excuse forever <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I, I have been thinking about a lot um, is I know that this was like an all female cast and well not all female cast obviously there were some men but the writing team and the directors and stuff were all women and mm-hmm. To me, what's the most interesting about that, I'm wondering what you think, is that gender completely falls away from the story. Like, this could be anybody's story. It's not, there's nothing specific to women about it, which is what you get when you can remove gender from the equation and just write someone's story. But how did you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I love that Natasha's not, I mean, Nadia, the character, isn't looking for, like, a boyfriend and a baby. That's Mm -hmm. something that's, you know, great about it. Um, And I did read an article the other day um, or maybe I just saw the headline of it saying that all it's like totally reversed. Mm-hmm. The the men are actually playing the traditional female <laughs> roles and the women are playing the, the male roles. But I also think like only Natasha Leone can trick people into thinking like it's not a female story. Like you can watch and it's going to be okay. Because I think a lot of men are watching too. I mean, mm-hmm. I know they are. Yeah. 
and enjoying. Yeah, they don't think it's a chick flick. Yeah, yeah. yes, exactly. And somehow I feel like she's like the woman who can really trick men into being like, <laughs> it's okay, you're safe here. <laughs> can you tell space. us anything about the future of the show? I know that I read that it was very early on written as like a three season situation. Like everybody, the whole world wants more. What's going to happen? Great question. <laughs> I mean, yes, originally I think Netflix asked for a three season pitch, which they did. But as they developed the first season, I think, think so many things changed. Like, I don't know how that would affect the original three season pitch. And I don't, they haven't gone into talks yet about a second season. Although there's, obviously they will get one if they want. I'm I, mean, so I mean, I'm speaking with it. out of turn saying that, yeah. but this I mean, reaction is insane, be of course. Insane to yeah. not do another but season. But it's also so beautiful just as it is. I do think, mm-hmm. I, I have no idea, I haven't talked to Dasha, but yeah. I do think that, like, what if it was just this one little beautiful mm-hmm. mystery box? Because mm-hmm. the ending was just so perfect that it's also well, maybe one of the hard to think about it that not being the ending. <laughs> Isn't it so beautiful when the two cross her with the yes. mm-hmm. gorgeous wigs? I, yeah, I wasn't able to understand why because I read a lot about the, the fact that Natasha's wig had to be perfect. And it was like the perfect wig. And I was like, why did they have to give her a wig? She's was not it wearing so that a she wig. she had a stunt double? See, the stunt double's wearing oh, a wig. Oh, I, I literally thought this is that she... fight with Camillo about it because he tried to tell me she was wearing a wig. And I was like, that is her hair. That is she her would hair. show up in the morning oh, with wet hair and now. then it would just curl right. into that. Okay, I, mean, I misunderstood. And we had an amazing hair person, but she she has amazing hair. I was literally Googling her hair yesterday just to <laughs> convince <laughs> him that it was her actual the hair. The little girl who plays, so cute. Yeah. Oh like, cut God. her bangs on set. Right. She's Aww. just like a tiny mini <laughs> Natasha. I would love that child. She's adorable. So one of the things that anybody who watches it is going to come away with is the earworm of that Harry Nilsson song. Mm. Um, that plays over and over and over again in the show. But when you were taping it, did you guys hear that song? Yeah. Was that? Yeah, they played it. Yeah, Natasha would often put it on her phone, I think, to help just with her, you know, energy coming back in the room. But it played a lot on set, and it's been in my head for a year. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it really sticks with you. Mm-hmm. It's in, a great in, song, so I'm glad it's, it's a good in the pilot song that's stuck script in my head. too. Like I think I don't know who, you know, I don't know who brought it, but like it's in the the script that that's the song that's playing, and. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but like the, the music's obviously really expensive. And at one point, Natasha was like, can we stop pretending that Netflix has no money and let's just get the music? <laughs> because, yeah, she fought really hard for things. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think at the time, it's sort of like you don't know what battles to fight, but she she kind of fought them all. And it's just so beautiful to have the reception be great and have people picking up on everything because then it feels like that hard, hard work pays off. And so often, I think it doesn't feel like that and yeah it's just so wonderful to have work hard work recognized and to have it reach people I think Leslie just she's shed a lot of tears over the notes that have been sent to her about um how how the show is helping them people who are like getting into therapy and like I'm like great wow (laughs) that's cool that's awesome people are peeling the onion man Mm -hmm. yeah does anybody else have any pressing burning questions about this show in particular. Yes, tell me all the other things. Oh. <laughs> Oatmeal the cat. Oh, oh, that was a trained actor. Was that played by two cats? One like cat. they do with kids? or <laughs> Just one cat. And this like amazing cat lady would come to Tompkins Square Park and like put the cat down. And I would be, as a cat lover, I was like, what the fuck? 
what the fuck are they doing? Oh my God, the cat, the cat. And this cat would just sit there and wait for Natasha to come and pick it up. And it would immediately start purring. It's like the best actor. And I love that the cat was named Oatmeal because I have a cat that I'm obsessed with named Irv and he smells like oatmeal. He smells like oatmeal. That is the cutest thing. my face in his fur and he smells like oatmeal. And I'm always like, Irv, you smell like oatmeal. And so I love that there was a cat named Oatmeal. And I think King's head smells like pancakes. And that's syrup, close. like syrup pancakes. Yes. Yeah. Huh. So there must be some. Yeah. Okay. All some right. kind of cooties on cats that yeah. make some smell go like home delicious. And smell my cats. <laughs> I guess I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> like dogs smell like Fritos. <laughs> my feet smell, smell like Fritos. Fritos. What? Yeah. Dogs, dogs smell feet like feet. Smell like uh, my real, my, <laughs> no, my feet smell like feet. Feet. Dogs feet smell like Fritos. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> oh my god. That's that. Standing up for the dog people here. Smell. You have a dog too, right? Yeah. So smell your dog. Get back. Their feet. No, smell the dog's feet. Dog's fur smells like airplane air. <laughs> Is there anything you found particularly difficult about this acting job? I mean, there is something in television in general where, like, you don't get that much information. Like, I was on Westworld last year, and this is an extreme version of this, but I, I got, I had auditioned for a part earlier in the summer that I didn't get, and then I got this part very last minute, and I went to set, and they told me, zero things they put me in a costume and they took me through hair and makeup which consisted of just blowing dust on my face (laughs) (laughs) and then they put me in my trailer for literally six hours they're like we're gonna come get you in half an hour for rehearsal I was like okay great and then six hours later they came and got me and they brought me into a room the I don't know if you guys watch Westworld but the the room with the map in the middle which is so cool I've seen the show before so I was like oh my god look at this money they have here is crazy and then they gave me earplugs and goggles and they were like okay you're playing Goldberg and you're just gonna go over there and get the park back online and I was like okay and I went (laughs) over there were cameras everywhere there were like 300 extras in the room there was blood everywhere I had no idea what was happening so I just started like like typing just typing they were like action um okay (laughs) I can't even tell you there was um Five explosions, rocks fell from the ceiling, a man fell from the ceiling, there was a dead bear in the corner, all the men started fighting, so much gunfire and explosions, and then Anthony Hopkins walked in the room, and I was like, <laughs> You're like, type, type, and, I was like and I was like, oh, I should probably be like a little more anxious with my typing here. <laughs> they didn't tell you any of that? They didn't was tell me anything. Well, I mean, oh it was so God. loud. And I did that for 14 hours. So <gasps> then like a man came over to me, he was like, I'm Brian. And he had like a mask, he had a mask on his face. He was like, I'm Brian. <laughs> Just imagine, can't see, you can't see his face. And he was like okay so I'm gonna come over here and you're gonna get up and go for your gun and then you're gonna grab the knife and you're gonna stab me in my eye and I was like right he's like then you're gonna pull it out and you're gonna run over to where the bear is and I was like okay <laughs> I mean it was, it, was, it was an insane day and then wow. after that I have like, never seen this show but now I feel like I need it was to. crazy and Why then after that bear? <laughs> after that I did scenes so like I like I came back like the next week and actually did scenes and found out who I was but I did the my entire like death scene and like a, a huge fight uh, not knowing what my name was. <laughs> that is so wow. crazy. Yeah, it was story. Funny. But to answer your question about Russian Doll, I think, um, you know, as I said earlier, like we did have questions of like, just, it's just very hard to have the big picture when you're, you know, shooting a little scene here and there. Um, so we did just, you know, follow the leader, which was Natasha and, and Leslie and Jamie Babbitt and whoever, you know, was directing the episodes. And we just sort of went for it. Leslie would be like, improvise about something. And Greta would just start talking. And I was like, awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of it is just like trusting, just trusting and hoping mm-hmm. and praying. Yeah. 
My mind is blown about that. I can't believe they don't even like <laughs> those. I mean, that was set, probably set an extreme example, the Westworld situation. They have a lot of, te- like a lot of, they just have a lot going on on that show. Yeah. Now when I go home and watch something, I'm going to be like, what did they really know? I'm going to be yeah. watching TV. It's like, it's slightly different It's like now. fake it. There's a lot of like just faking it. Just fake it till you make it. Just hmm. pretending. I'm like, I don't know how to get the park back online. I just wrote my name like, over and over again. I was like, I don't know how to code. I was like, Rebecca, 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 Rebecca. I was like, like if the, if the camera's on my hands. They're going to know I'm not doing anything. <laughs> but maybe Rebecca, Rebecca, Rebecca is how you get the park back maybe online. You're right. <laughs> That's funny. That's weird. When I was researching your career before mm. you came in, I Probably was took you very a very Im- long time to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I was very impressed. Hmm. Not only does most of your work pass the Bechdel test, but also a lot of projects that you're in are helmed by these really impressive female auteurs. You're in these projects, including Russian Doll, where women are writing, directing, producing, and also often starring in the work. Before this... You popped up in Genji Cohen's big women-led game changer, Orange is the New Black, which was like Lady World. You co-starred in Desiree Akavan's first feature film, which was Appropriate Behavior. You were the object of her romantic obsession. <laughs> she wrote, directed, produced, and starred in that yeah. as well. Um, and now your latest film that um, you're about to take to South by Southwest, Mickey and the Bear, was written and directed by a young new filmmaker, yeah. Annabelle Atanasio. Annabelle Atanasio. (laughs) Yeah. And she's only 26. I don't know if she likes me saying that, but I keep telling people because I can't believe it. The film is premiering at South by Southwest in March. Yes. I really feel like Leslie, she's 38, as am I. And I feel like Leslie sort of describes getting into the industry as like, you know, like, let me, let me in, you know, like, make some room for me. I've got something to say. And Annabelle has a company with another woman. And, and this guy, Lizzie and Henry, and they just take turns producing each other's films. And they're all like 25, 26 years old. They're just, they're just awesome. incredible. They're, yeah, I was really inspired by working with her. And she, she's also an actress, but she wrote and directed this and just, we went to Montana and it was so beautiful. And she's really, I was just totally inspired by her. I was, I don't know what I was doing when I was 26. Do you prioritize <laughs> finding these kinds of projects to work on that are being helmed by these independent female filmmakers? Like, are you just in this cool creative lady mafia where you're, you're asked to <laughs> be a part of these projects? Like, how is it that you're in all of these right places at the right time? I think maybe I'm just with a cool lady mafia. Uh-huh. I do think so. I also think like being a queer woman, being a lesbian woman, there's a lot of rules that I just don't have to, like I don't have, I don't know, I feel like I've, I watch some of my straight, beautiful actress friends and what they have to do when they go to auditions and I just, I, I won't do it. And I don't know if that's because I'm gay or just like I won't do it. <laughs> like I won't get insanely dolled up and I don't know, wear a certain kind of bra and all this stuff. It's just not, I don't know. It's not what the industry is as- asking of me, but it's also what I'm not doing. I don't know what came first, you know, chicken or the mm-hmm. egg there. Um, and like with Desiree, I'd met her at like a dinner party and she, um, I think, I don't know if it was for the blacklist or like the purple list, some, something that she was doing with NYU. This was her thesis film, Appropriate Behavior. And she was like, will you come, like out of nowhere I got an email saying like, will you come and like do a scene from this film that I wrote for a class at NYU? And I was like, but I was doing this like say yes for a month thing. <laughs> so literally I was like, 
yes. And I went and I did not want to be there. And it was like fireworks. We did the scene and people were like, are you playing this part? You guys are amazing together. And then you guys are really amazing together in that. Thank film. you. It was a really ma- it, I, I loved working with her. That it was her first feature film. And that's the same so DP as Russian Doll, Chris Teague. It? Yes, and I told Leslie about Chris Teague because he's incredible and he makes everything look so expensive because we had like no budget for appropriate behavior and he made it look. So it looks like a real movie. He's incredible. <laughs> he's incredible. He's shooting um, the third season of Glow right now. Oh, oh I love that show. Yeah, it's one of my best friends is Betty Gilpin. Shout oh. out. Yeah. Um, As seen in Bust Magazine, Betty yes. Gilpin. Yes. Yeah. You mentioned how you're not being asked to do some of the things that your uh, straight female actor friends are. Do you, Are you experiencing the whole Time's Up, Me Too movement in the entertainment industry differently than they are? Oh, that's an interesting question. I don't know. Am I? Have I always? Uh, <laughs> I don't really know how to answer that, actually. Okay. Um, it's a complicated time. Yeah. I mean, the Me Too movement has been interesting to sort of look over my history. And um, I went to Columbia University and, you know, oh, gosh, am I, I mean, how am I? Uh, it's just... <laughs> um <laughs> It's just interesting to look back over your treatment, like certain things that I just accepted as, you know, this is just what happens. And um, that's been the best thing about the movement for for just for me, me personally. Um, But yeah, I do. I mean, my my wife used to work for Harvey Weinstein and she she wrote a play (laughs) (laughs) and she wrote a play sort of loosely about that experience called Assistance, which is a really, a really cool play. So I think... I mean, I've, I've watched this affect her a lot as a, as a female writer and a creator. But I don't know. I, you know, what I'm not asked to do is, like, play the, like, leading, super sexy, hetero wife character. I'm just not, they're, I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to play that part, although I do have. You're not going to play that lady who's, like, telling the main character, like, don't do that. Yeah. You should be more responsible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, why are you so late? Where were you? Where were you? <laughs> Although maybe I do want to play yeah, that part. Wait a minute. I'm just then, so they're missing out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you a feminist? No. Yes. <laughs> yes. 100%. Period. Awesome. Isn't everybody? Not all of our Shockingly, guests uh, no. are comfortable with the term. Really? But I'm glad that you are. Yes. Has your feminism informed your career and vice versa? It's so part of who I am. It's mm-hmm. almost so much so that I don't think about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I just have, um, I don't know why I've taken up a lot of space with myself. I don't know. <laughs> Does it have to do with like, I came out when I was like 15 or 16, right around then. And I do think that like coming out of the closet is like, you know, even though my parents were like lovely and accepting and wonderful, it was a huge, it was a huge moment. And I do think that, um, has contributed to me taking up space in the world as a woman Mm -hmm. and a queer person. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. Right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Also women are the best. I just love, I have so many amazing female friends who are so incredibly brilliant. I love the way we communicate. I like the way that we work on ourselves and I'm just very, I feel, sometimes I feel very bad for men 
um, because of the way that we raise them and the way that they are sort of forced to behave in society. It makes me sad. And I, uh, yeah, maybe I'll have a boy one day and like a baby boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know, raise him differently. I think that would be good for me. My boy cat that smells like oatmeal, I'm trying to raise him a little differently. <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm trying <laughs> to tell him that emotions are okay. Yeah. When he feels insecure and wants to suck on my sweater, I tell him that it's okay. Yeah. And he doesn't have to be ashamed. I have a friend who was dating this guy who's really sensitive. He's such a beautiful, beautiful person. And she told me that when he was little, his if he cried, his mother would take his face in her hands and say, yes, keep going, beautiful emotion. Aww. Isn't that gorgeous? Wow. It's so cute. Yeah. But now I'm thinking I'm a bad feminist cat mom. Because I'm just <laughs> always telling my cat how pretty she is. And <laughs> You're not I'm affirming just, her, her abilities in STEM? Uh, I, sometimes <laughs> I think she may think her name is just beautiful. Because <laughs> that's what you I You do have her. a very gorgeous cat. I know. So now I'm thinking, man, I really have to just let her know that she's worth more than her looks. <laughs> <laughs> tonight's a night. We have a big yeah. night ahead of us. I'm going to go home and I'm going to tell her that she's got feet. a great personality. Cat yeah. parenting, man. It's got a lot of levels. <laughs> I just want to know your hopes and your dreams and your plans for 2019. You told me that you have three auditions tomorrow. <laughs> I have two tomorrow, one the next day. Okay. Okay. What is coming up? What is happening? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what will happen with those auditions. Probably nothing. Um, But what's happening next? My wife is currently writing in the Hamptons Mm. at a friend's house because she's on a deadline. So I'm going to go pick her up on Valentine's Day and we're going to have like a romantic dinner. Um, And then what's happening next? I go to South by Southwest to promote this film and this summer I'm doing a play all summer long called Moscow 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 it's that many Moscow mm-hmm. oh. is that the play that you're doing with Tavi Gevinson I sure am Kristen Milioti and Tavi Gevinson are okay. the other sisters so you have like a whole repetitive Russian kind of thing going on in your life there is a lot of Russian that's so funny I was at my friend's birthday the other night too and she's she's Russian and I was like this is weird what's going on um that is your loop and the repetition so it's and well, I don't know what else is happening this year. Hopefully I'll get another job. Yeah. Um, my wife works all the time. She's already gotten a billion job offers, so I often travel with her when she works, which is great. And we're also um, trying to get pregnant. Whoa! Yeah. Mazel I'm going to make her do it, though. You know? In advance. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Before I let you go, yeah. there's a tradition on this show that we ask our guests what you're watching. And when I say what you're watching, that is a broad pop cultural query. Any kind of pop cultural consumption that you're doing, we want to know what it is because it's probably cool. Okay, here we go. I just read um, Chronology of Water by Lydia Yuknovich. Yes. It's amazing. Highly recommend. Have you read it? No. Okay, it's amazing. Um, I just bought Educated by... Tara or Tara I can't remember her last name but she like grew she grew up in like a survivalist community and she didn't go to school until she was 17 and now she's like totally beyond brilliant Whoa. but I accidentally bought it in the large print <laughs> so it's so giant ridiculous it's a giant it's in my bag and I look ridiculous and I was like why is the print so big and on the front it says in large print large print <laughs> but I just figured it out today um I listened to a lot of podcasts a couple of years ago Leslie was writing a thriller and she started listening to murder podcasts mm-hmm. and now I'm totally addicted and I would like, she has lots of trouble sleeping. So I, I fall asleep instantly and then I'd wake up like, you know, an hour later and I would just be like, here, you know, like they dragged the body into the ditch. And I was always like, what the fuck are we listening to? <laughs> um, but I like sword and scale and my favorite murder and I like the daily. I like all the podcasts. 
robust podcast. Yeah, <laughs> buddy. <laughs> I've been watching SVU. Chung Chung. I love it. They just put it on Netflix, so I can't stop watching it. I find it very soothing. I love Mariska Hargitay and all the hairstyles, and she's like an amazing actress. I know. Yeah, right? I love that show. I started watching Sex Education, so too. So good. So good. I really like, and I love Gillian Anderson so much, and I don't know how to say his name, a- Asia Butterfield? Asa. Asa. Oh, yeah. He's awesome. I, yeah, the acting on that show is awesome. Do you very concur beautiful. that Gillian Anderson is a gay icon? Yeah. Oh, big time. I used to, when I was a teenager, before I came out, I was like, I love David Duchovny, but really it was her. (laughs) I mean, he's great too, but I I really, yeah, I felt that a long time ago. My BFF since I was 11 years old um, is bi and has always been bi. And Mm -hmm. like uh, X-Files was a big part of that. Yes, a I've major heard that. part of that. How? Why? How? Just because the, the two of, of them were Anderson. so hot. Yeah, the gay icon thing is so important. Like, I truly came out the night that Ellen DeGeneres came out on her show. That is the Aww. night that I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gay." <laughs> like, I, I'd never met a gay person that I knew of. I didn't know. I'd been sort of thinking about it for a while, but didn't even know what I was thinking because I didn't. I just didn't know anything. I was so I was a sheltered, synchronized swimmer in Canada. And then when she came out, I drove, I'm a, oh, I was 16, because I was driving. I drove a friend home and just was sobbing and sobbing and sobbing in the car. And she just, like, sat with me and, like, waited for me to say it. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And wow. actually, my friend was on Ellen, and I was with her in L.A. And I was really hoping that Ellen would come backstage. But I'd probably, like, lose my mind because <laughs> she's yeah. just, I would think I would have a nervous breakdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That Thanks, Ellen. That was so major for so many people. It was. I, it was. When I, uh, I'm a little bit older than you are, so that episode came out when I was in college mm-hmm. and the I guess like it there was prior notice that that is what that episode was going to be right and so the gay student union knew. rented like a giant <laughs> oh. like movie theater screen for in the dining hall and like the entire dining hall was packed it's amazing. everyone was just there watching Ellen in the dining That's hall awesome. and when she came out everyone like leapt to their feet and it was yeah. like screaming and cheering and crying it was like New Year's but it was like yeah. it's Ellen insane what she did like it really is yeah and now it's you know when you tell the young people that that was like front page news, yeah. it's hard, really hard yeah. for them to imagine because things have changed a lot. Yeah. But I always use that Ellen story as an example of how important pop culture is in changing yeah. society and society's values. Yeah. Like she came out and then people realized that they'd had this lesbian in their house yes. all this time and that they liked her. And then, <laughs> in their midst. You know, you had Will yeah. and Grace and whatever other representations. Then you got, you know legalized gay marriage I really don't think that would have happened without all those other pop culture steps familiarizing everybody with the the normalcy of it Mm -hmm. and I love hearing from like you know the the outpouring of love for Russian Doll when they talk about Lizzie and I mean the representation in Russian Doll I think is really really good and important I'm so happy to be a part of that if anybody like somebody who was like I'm gonna find a Lizzie this weekend I was like oh oh my gosh (laughs) I'm gonna dress up like her for this and I was like oh my god Yes. Oh, there's going to be so many Lizzie's this Halloween. Great. Oh, yeah. yeah. So Maybe many white overalls <laughs> and clear glasses. Yes. Oh, yeah. I have those in my bag. But my wife also has the same pair. It's so gay. What are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. This was thank so fun. You. Rebecca Henderson, thank you so much for coming I over. I wish I knew more fan <laughs> theories and stuff, but you'll just have to get Leslie in here because she really, well, whew. I mean, I'll go bye-bye night-night, but you guys will be interested in what she's talking about. <laughs> We're going to take a little break, and when I come back, I'm going to ask Callie, and I'm going to ask Debbie, and hopefully they're going to ask me, what What you watching? Before we get back to the show, I want to tell you about our new sponsor, Wolfie Vibes Publicity. If you're working on a new project, 
and find yourself in need of a kick-ass publicist who communicates well and works tirelessly to get you the coverage you're after, consider going to Wolfie Vibes Publicity. Wolfie Vibes Publicity is a female-owned and operated boutique PR firm that will get you where you need to be, and you'll even have fun in the process. Get in touch via wolfievibespublicity.com for details and quotes, and tell them that Pop-Tart sent you. And we're back. <laughs> hey. Debbie, since you are our yeah. guest, you get to go first. What you watching? Okay, well, <clears throat> I've watched Russian Doll twice already, and I will probably watch it a third time. Oh, my gosh. That's super like fan. Super obsessed with it at the moment, and uh, I'm looking kind of forward to exiting this loop of, <laughs> of obsession, but for now, I'm deep in it. Um, other than that, I, I watched the Kimmy Schmitz. And I have not watched the last episode yet because I'm holding off. I, get, I just, I, like, I'm afraid to watch the very last one, but I love it so much. Where I will we get our Tina Fey so now? Much. I don't know. Where am I going to get my Robert Carlock, who apparently is the one, Tina told me, is the one that's responsible for all the ridiculous, hilarious puns and jokes on oh. Kimmy Schmidt. Last season, I think, they started to introduce this whole thing of like the fake Netflix home flicks. Oh. And I... Uh, Kimmy's character was like, I don't, how does it always know? Like, why is it always recommending these things to me? How does it always know what I want to see? And Titus goes, well, you know, back when Al Gore invented the internet, <laughs> he wanted things to sort of run in a certain way. And he sort of had these ideas that it would sort of follow a rhythm. He called it the Al Gore rhythm. Oh my God. <laughs> I thought that was such a funny joke. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And they brought it back twice this season, oh I think, because they were like, nobody paid enough attention to this show. <laughs> to our Al Gore we're rhythm. Throw it in there again. That that show is so good. I'm going to miss it. I need Titus. There needs to be a Titus spinoff. Mm. That's all there is to this. The other thing that I've been watching that I thought was going to catch on, but was completely wrong about, or maybe it's still coming, is Stizzle, which is, has a, a very weird name. It sounds like a, a candy, I guess. But. Um, it's an Israeli series that was a huge hit in Israel when it came out in 2013. And Netflix just recently dumped all this Israeli programming onto the American Netflix. And it is, um, it's, it's a drama and comedy about a very, very religious Hasidic family and community in Israel. Um, and those folks are as closed off to most of Israel, because most of Israel is relatively secular as they are to us here and so it's a beautifully done two season series that really just follows this family and um their like loves and heartbreaks and ambitions and uh it's really so good it's so well done and i watched the first episode on your recommendation and the main character is hot, so hot. I need to watch this I'm part of a Facebook group of fans of this show because, mm -hmm. like, nobody else has watched it, and so I wanted to talk about it. It's like a thousand women, <laughs> and I po posited the idea that, like, one of the best things about the show is that the lead guy is so fucking hot, mm -hmm. and they're like, oh, I don't think so. I, I don't think he's that hot. I think there's, like, ladies, there's a thousand of us in this Facebook Give me group. Give a break. Facebook group, and there's no dudes. Like, there's got to be a reason. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Get real. That's the point. But it's a, yeah, it's a beautiful show. Maybe it'll still catch. And, you know, I heard that the rights for it were purchased by um, an American producer who also made, uh, 
what is it, Frankie and Joey or Johnny and Frankie? Grace and Frankie. Oh, Grace and Frankie. Grace and Frankie. <laughs> yeah. She made that and some other shows, and she was going to redo the series based in, like, the Orthodox community and, or the Hasidic community and... Like Crown Heights well, or something? Yeah, but it didn't get made yet, and, and maybe it never will get made, but it's, it's really great. Beautifully done, beautifully shot. Watch it. <laughs> I need someone to talk to about it. <laughs> Anything else? I'm not watching anything else. <laughs> You're just watching Russian Doll over and over and over again. And I made a soundtrack and a playlist. It's ridiculous. You watched Abducted in Plain Sight. Oh, I did. Yeah, I watched that last night. I don't have anything to say about it. <laughs> it is insane. You haven't watched it yet, right? No, I have not. It is batshit. Tell me all this. about it. It's on Netflix, right? Yes. Is it a story about someone who gets abducted right out there in plain sight? I'm just going to tell you that somehow the parents... Let her get abducted twice in plain sight. What? Yes. And that's not even remotely. So near this the is true crime, thing. right? Like it's documentary. Yeah. yeah, it's a documentary. And aliens are involved. Yes. And the aliens are involved. Possibly then I'm not there. even the craziest thing about it. This movie is batshit banana or this documentary. It's okay. crazy. Nine minutes in, I was wanting to flip it. The table. most amazing thing to me, though, is how psychologically well balanced all of the people who were involved in this uh seem to be because they get interviewed like now and they're talking about the stuff yeah. that happened in the past and they are all very they seem to be very clear about who's the who's the bad guy in the story which is really kind of um i don't know refreshing good for them <laughs> yeah it is but man that guy is a batshit master manipulator abducted twice not once but twice <laughs> what else have I got here? Uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, watching that. Final oh, season. Final season. I really like that Rebecca and Valencia are, have a friendship. That could have, in most places, they would hate each other, you know. I have something to say about <laughs> yes. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend Bring because I fr- I'm like sitting here with my... <laughs> <laughs> say it. Raised my hand. Um, the thing that is really striking me, that really strikes me about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and I'm really sorry that it's going to end, it's probably another one where I'm not going to watch the very last episode, <laughs> like, is the casual way with which they do their diversity of casting. So you have trans characters, there are gender non-binary characters in the last episode, there was an Asian girl, little girl with a white mom, um, there's bisexual characters. There's there's lots of really diverse casting, and it has nothing to do with the story. So, like the Asian girl with the white mom, she was just a kid. It wasn't part of. There was not not part of the narrative at all. Yeah. You know, you know. Oh, so that she was adopted, but that wasn't part of the story. Um, just like when people are living that life, that's not the only story that they're living. They're just as you know, they're out there. Um, this last episode, I think, had a trans woman. That was just who was there playing this particular, just like some nurse in a hospital or something like that. And I just don't feel like I have seen that yet. People talk about uh, more diverse casting, but then the characters that they bring in, their casting still has to do with that one mm-hmm. aspect about themselves rather than just being there like how people are. And I, yeah. I thought that was really, really beautifully done. Well, I'm digging it. I watched this movie, Tag, which I suspected was going to be terrible. It was way better than I thought. It's based on the real story of that group of adult friends that had been playing a game of tag since they were kids. That's real? That is real. Yeah. 
it is real and I thought it was going to be really is bad. Is it a documentary or a dramatization of their friendship? Neither. It's just a comedy loosely based on it. Okay. But the cast is really, really good. It had Hannibal Boris, Isla Fisher, Sheeta Jones, Leslie Bibb, John Hame, Jack Johnson, that's the guy from The New Girl, and Ed Helms. Yeah, the, the, the fact that that thing was made really annoyed me, though, because I saw that story about them. I don't know if it was like on CBS Sunday morning or 60 Minutes, was something the, like the that, paper, right? Yeah. And then and then they make a movie. It's like, no matter what kind of jack shit dudes do, they're going to make a movie about it. Oh, these guys are playing this game. After, well, we've got to make a movie about that. Like any kind of man story, gets, any kind of white man story gets made into a movie. Oh, yeah, but I thought that's a, it, that it was an interesting concept. It. It, was, it was better than I thought. I went in thinking it was going to be cheesy as fuck, but the cast was so good and it was mm. way better than I expected. And that's what I've been watching. Nice. And what have you been watching? I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I'm watching the final season of Broad City. I'm so sad that it's coming to an end. Mm. I love that show. I'm um, a little behind. I've only seen the first episode. The premiere the episode one. was very innovative. They did it all. I loved the yeah, stories. Was so good. I that thought was it was really, really cool. That was an and awesome like one. I'm not even on the gram. Like I find no. everything associated with the gram annoying. But I thought that that was very innovative and amazing yeah. that they did. I'm that. such an old that I was like, oh, that's what stories are. <laughs> <laughs> Never seen one. <laughs> and then I love how specific they are about the trash that is living in New York sometimes with the shit bucket how you sometimes you just can't even flush anything in your New York apartment it's true and also that sort of carried over into episode three where Abby was trying to do laundry in like the communal laundry machine in the basement of her building and she Uh. pulled out a fully soiled maxi pad (laughs) from the washing machine I was like (laughs) fucking real talk man. (laughs) but also in that episode uh, it should be noted that Debbie's Stitch and Bitch books were located prominently on Abby's desk in episode three when she decides to do wash and fold so she can have some me time. And she goes to her desk and she starts organizing it. And Debbie's books yep. are on her desk. That was a surprise. I don't know how that happened. Shout out. I need to see this episode. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a little behind. But yeah, I love Broad City. I'm sad it's coming to an end. But I look forward to what they do in the future. The books are just like extras. They're just like. I'm really only like watching human it for your books. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still fun. Because I uh, was in high school and college in the 90s, there are certain things that I'm very obsessed with. One of them is the existence of Frances Bean Cobain. Even though she hasn't fully matured into like a person who does things in the world, I'm just obsessed with it. Like, anytime she pops up anywhere, I want to see, read, listen, if it's Frances Bean, I want to know about it. And she did an amazing interview on uh, the What's the Tea podcast, which is RuPaul and Michelle Visage's Ooh, podcast. Yeah. You guys may remember back there was like an MTV Awards, like when Frances Bean, this was like 24 years ago. And there's this amazing picture of RuPaul in full, like supermodel of the world drag holding a, fr- a crying baby Frances Bean. I do not remember this. Like, I don't remember that either. He's RuPaul has been... You know, cuddling little Frances since the beginning of her life. So she was very open and relaxed and honest on the RuPaul podcast, more so than in any other interview that I've ever Mm. seen of her. Apparently, she is uh, sober two years, and she's very lucid and mature for a 25-year-old. What does she do? I seriously have zero interest in her because I don't think she does She makes music like her parents. Oh. And um, she's obsessed with Dolly Parton and says that that is As everybody should be. I think she said it's like sort of more gothy 
but she's also obsessed with Dolly Parton. And she has an album that's going to come out at some point. And we should definitely get her in Bust Magazine hmm. because she's fascinating. Pen 15 on Hulu is really, really cute. Oh, really? But I would just call it Peace. Yes. Well, Never yeah, I mean, it's it pen 15. Well, it's called pen 15 because of hmm. the club. Like the whole joke is that like in junior high, it's like, do you want to join the pen 15 club? You have to write pen 15 on your oh. face or whatever. You never played okay. that? No. It's how you, you trick how you someone get into walking around with a penis on with their head. penis on their body written on their body. That was not a thing. But the show is called Pen 15. It's on Hulu and it is the brainchild of two comedians, Maya Erskine and Anna Conkle. They're in their 30s and they're both playing versions of themselves as 13 year olds. Um, they were both 13 year olds in middle Wait, school. 30 playing 13. Yes. In the they were both 13 in 2000. And so the whole show is set in 2000. They're playing themselves at 13 and all the other characters are played by actual 13 year olds. (laughs) And you really forget that they're in their 30s. Like they just blend in with the rest of the cast. And apparently they had to do stuff like, I've only just started watching it, but like later in the season when one of them actually kisses a boy, they have to like quick swap in a grown ass man. So it's not wrong. (laughs) Good, I'm glad they're keeping ethics. But generally they're just, you know, having all of these feelings and emotions and junior high trauma with actual 13 year olds being vicious to them. And it's so cute and funny. And it reminds me of when I was in seventh grade with my best friend and all we had was each other. And we were like in friends love (laughs) because they're just like, so, you know, like junior high girls are so deeply obsessed with each other that like it's the deepest obsession that there is. Truth. Yeah. So I, I love Pen15. It's really good. Um, and it's an example of awesome art that happens when women are given the tools to make whatever it is that they want. And that, my friends, is what I've been watching. Lovely journey we were on. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much to you, Callie, to you, Debbie. Thank you. And, of course, to our producer, Rachel Withers, and our luscious audio engineer, Logan Del Fuego. <laughs> and, of course, to our girl gang at Bust Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Emily Rams, but you cannot find Callie on Twitter. No, 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 no. And Debbie, your Twitter is Bust Magazine, right? I guess. Bust <laughs> underscore magazine. At times, it's Bust underscore magazine. Yeah, if all of a sudden the Bust underscore magazine account is live tweeting something very hilariously, you know that's Debbie. It can be no other. Um, I guess I should follow Bus Magazine. I only follow <laughs> Chrissy Teigen. Right yeah, I know that you only follow Chrissy Teigen, but just add Bus underscore Magazine. I will for Wait, when an event else is happening. I follow that I already forgot about. Didn't you live tweet the State of the Union? Yeah, that was funny. I think so. I don't remember. <laughs> you can email us both. Yeah, yeah I did. I'm at emilyrems at bus.com. I'm at callieW at bus.com. And you can learn more about this show at bus.com slash pop tarts. And finally. Please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. It shouldn't be like a difficult to decipher mystery like Russian Doll where you're just kind of like, oh, is it, do I find it here? Do I find it there? Is it about this? Is it about that? Like, make it easy. Make it easy for our potential listeners and make it easy for yourself to do a mitzvah. (laughs) Like us, rate us, review us on Apple podcast it really helps us get the word out and we super duper appreciate it until next time